Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. This is Suvaros Minahan, Top Cosmos, November 7th, 2020, a momentous day in the history of the United States. We do have a change of leadership uh, protended for the next coming year, which really relates to our subject tonight, which is about Scorpio and the two rulers, the modern ruler and the traditional ruler. Some schools of astrology will take one versus the other. And thankfully, because of this subject that interests me greatly, I'm realizing, as I know many astrologers do, that both have total purpose. Mars has traditionally been the co-ruler, and now referred to as a co-ruler of Scorpio. Essentially, in tradition times, Mars ruled two signs its natural sign of aries at the moment right now mars is in aries and has been since june 27th 29th and will be until january 7th and this retrograde period that we've been experiencing for a total of about 60 days will be ending on the 13th 14th of november in a little bit not quite yet so Mars rules Aries and also rules Scorpio, the eighth sign and house of the zodiac of the horoscope. Until 1930, when Pluto was discovered, which really is less than a hundred years ago, remarkably. Pluto in recent years has been recognized as the doorway to the Plutoids. Those are planets that were discovered from our, they've always been there, but we noticed them in about 2003, 2006, I believe. And they are outside very um, elliptical orbits outside of Pluto, the furthest being Sedna. And it's deeper consciousness. And isn't that what a lot of this is about? Well, we will pose so much of this because now it is time for Cosmic Collaboration. Investigating the deeper questions of this month's archetype and integrating spirit and matter for unified wholeness, this is your Cosmic Collaboration panel. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly, stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. I'm Shannon Hayes a certified evolutionary astrologer and consultant, including Mayan astrology. I'm a stargazer, and I work with animal spirit cards. 
I own a hair salon, I'm a nature lover, animal activist, and photographer. And I'm Amanda Pierce, a soul-centered astrologer, astrological consultant, and empowerment-based meditation teacher. I have a BA in psychology, I'm a wellness enthusiast with a passion for healthy eating, and I enjoy creating new realities and shifting old paradigms. And like the Sufi poet Rumi says, you are the entire ocean in a drop. Yes, Cosmic Collaboration is a panel that monthly is scheduled, and those people that subscribe, we will receive that. Tonight, uh, our third member, Shannon Hayes, will not be joining. She just recently moved to Indiana and had a clash of schedules. So Amanda and I'll have lots of time to sit here and ponder these great motives and drives, which they both share. So hi, Amanda. This is a real treat. Hello, Sue. (laughs) I'm um, thrilled to be here with you. Yes, we always have really productive headspace talks. You know, Mars was considered the god of war. It's besides pure energy, the fire sign of assertion, separation. It involves our defenses. You know, what are we defending? What's the cause? And like Gemini Brett, I was just reading, said in one of his recent newsletters, what is worth fighting for? You know, that's really something to ponder, but it's always been with Mars progressively, um, our actions, you know, what are we separating? What are we forming a new identity for becoming? Whereas Pluto, God of the underworld, is the keeper of souls and has to do with wealth because it's under the earth with all the materials kind of the finding the treasure and invisible you know it's hidden it's in the shadows he wears that helmet of invisibility that the cyclops which is so interesting isn't it because the cyclops had one eye it seems like it's like a third eye There's oh right yeah. yeah yeah kind of a clue there and ultimately about rebirth regeneration so it's they're they're both powerful Well, when I say that, of course, Pluto has everything to do about power or powerlessness, but it's trying to understand how they work in tandem. They they do have different factors. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, when you just delegate Scorpio to Pluto as the ruler, then it you lose some of the complexity that Mars brings because Mars was the, as you said, the traditional ruler, and this was before Pluto was discovered. So that's all we knew for Scorpio. And it, uh, it provides a, just a different lens into, into how Mars can be. Just like with Venus, because Venus is the ruler of Taurus and the ruler of Libra. And that's still true to this day. Taurus is a yin energy and Libra is a yang energy. And and Mars rules Aries, which is yang, and Scorpio, which is yin. 
And why not? Why wouldn't the the traditional feminine planet and the traditional masculine planet both have a yin and a yang side to them? Oh, that's delightful. You do bring out some intriguing you know, uh, factors here to consider. And I've this, I think, centers on the primary realization as when I was considering this topic, which we've had for some time, you know, planned, is that Mars action, which is foremost to Mars and Aries, makes changes. And of course, Scorpio is all related to that transformation. So I was thinking like, even looking at Mars as Aries, Mars really, it's it's operation of of cutting away, forging, uh, cutting uh, is a lot separation, you know, which it has that it can become the war, of course, of defense. But still, whatever action is happening makes for a change, and I think it's that added consciousness of the yin, such as you're saying with this Pluto drives that within to as we've spoken to among ourselves of the psychology of why of how yeah mars in aries you know it's very focused on just forward movement and acting instinctually it's not really thought-based uh it just it, it uh as rick levine likes to say it's uh shoot first and aim later yeah um, and so it's just really operating on instinct and it's a very kind of driven energy. But when Mars is the ruler of Scorpio, it takes that drive. And instead of it having, instead of it being a yang outward expression, it's yin going within. So there's more exploration internally. And that's what we, one of the things we know of with Scorpio, um, that it tends to be more psychologically oriented and more wanting to find the the deeper meaning in things. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. It, that emotional body, I like the fact of realizing the elemental difference and in instinct and fire versus emotional context, you know, of that of relationships of, of yeah and why wouldn't mars um be associated with relationships it's mars and venus they're both the the relationship planets so they scorpio in the eighth house is often associated with relationships and kind of the deeper inner workings of relationships the more intimate relationships and more like power-based struggles and it so seems, it just kind of all works together. Well, it does. And also, considering the whole action of Aries, looking at it from its, uh, in the sense of war, it is was always referred to quickly as the god of war. That's the trauma of any real separation. Later, and I was thinking about this because Pluto is the caregiver of the souls, all deceased souls. So there is a, a, a connection there to find out how did this um, 
conquest? How did it affect me? How does it affect others? You know, building how to, and as Brett off, often says too, when what is worth fighting for, will harmony ever be one in a fight? So it is that process of finding how do we negotiate true peace, the, the balance of, of, of opposing energies. It's not like there has to be 50-50, but somehow they uh, operate in a way that both can function. You know? Yeah. Well, and Mars and Mars and Pluto both are um, known for going to extremes. So balancing that out, which is much more Libra, is is definitely helpful to the process. I th I think really too looking at Pluto. I was reading another newsletter by an astrologer called. Bill Herbst, H-E-R-B-S-T, has a newsletter. It was actually very, I recommend it. He has many, many, many topics. So this one was Pluto, roots out our deepest problems. And this is a quote that I just really stood out because it relates to the idea of impermanence, which really is a signature, I think, of Pluto because it has power when it's supporting our life, soul, purpose, and powerlessness when it's no longer feeding what we need. And what he said was what Pluto assassinates is our habitual expectation that reality will be and stay a certain way. I thought, mm. wow, we, because <laughs> yeah. right now, boy, are we in one huge 2020 transition of shifts leading us still down the river. Yeah, and how much do we all want things just to stay the same? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh I mean if we didn't well, then we wouldn't be everyone be having such a hard time. It's ch it's challenging. Yeah. But yeah. that in some ways that makes me feel like we could cherry pick our changes because I have to admit there's certain things that cuz I've made some big changes and I'm pretty pleased with it. But that isn't to say that I'm not in a process of, like he wrote, to focus, defocus, which is because Pluto Scorpio is such a focus, you know, it's very penetrating. It gets underneath that has to do with the, I don't really know how Mars handled that part of Scorpio though before, about getting underneath things. I think you ended, a person ended up with it, but I think the consciousness truly has well, we know consciousness raises, and that's the whole idea of astrology, too, is that coordination with planets or different bodies that have been discovered is when our consciousness is ready to receive them. So with Pluto, we have really given um, authority or uh, leeway to, to probe you know, to, to get behind that hidden cloak of Pluto. Because Pluto always was around, but Pluto didn't rule Scorpio before. Well, yeah, so, so we can see with the naked eye up through Saturn. And anything beyond Saturn is considered an outer planet and um, is, called, is considered transcendental. Because... 
anything that is within that, all the planets within that scope of Saturn are kind of reality-based within our consciousness and they're all visible. So it's all, it's all kind of clear to us what's going on. The outer planets are transcendental, which means they transcend consciousness. And it's not always completely clear what the, what, what is motivating us to move forward. Uh, and that's one of the, one of the ways that Pluto and Mars then work together because Pluto is, well, at least through evolutionary astrology, Pluto is the soul's journey. And so Pluto is looking to evolve the soul forward. And Mars is the lower octave of Pluto. Pluto is the higher octave of Mars. So there's, the, there's a connection. Mars is moving to, is looking to um, move forward the soul's evolution. It's, it's called the leading edge of the soul's evolution. So it's really forging us forward because Mars, Mars is a much more conscious planet. It's, um, you may or may not consider it a more simple planet. It's, it's just easier to understand. It's more straightforward. And so it's driving forward and moving us forward on our soul's journey. It's, it's whatever consciousness we're able to gain through our lives, because we're always gaining new consciousness in some ways, hopefully. And so whatever pieces it's, it's learning from Pluto, it's then going to put into action. And that's part of what is driving us forward. That does connect dots because it's that process I'm thinking of becoming. I always think of Aries and Mars as becoming. And so it is a conscious step to break away, which Aries does, you know, the first house there that's its signature is it leaving the womb of Pisces to individualize and find a new identity. And by the time it reaches the eighth house, it's really does that seed, whatever that seed would be, it could be a physical entity, or it could be a thought, it could be, uh, there's so many levels of how to, this could function in, in life. Does it, can it really be supportive of living by the time it gets to the eighth house? And the, you know, that's when the transformative powers of, I mean, one's been transformed and developed throughout the whole process as change does and we encounter new steps. But yes, I like this key point of the conscious connecting with the unconscious because like it, it each has a polarity. The eighth house has a polarity of the resources of the second house. So it's how we exchange our resources with another or a group or whatever functions it could be a business it a marriage a deep intent it's intense you know by that time it's really merged fused you could say impassioned and it's either going to support that life or else like a skin of a snake it's not working and so it's over and out and which yeah. means you can ditch the idea or sometimes it's an ending of a relationship or ending of even a life. Well, and that makes me think of the, the definition for metamorphosis. <laughs> uh, so it, when I looked that up, what I found really interesting is when you're looking at the, 
the definition um, per zoology, so this is for an insect or an amphibian, it says that, that metamorphosis is the process of transformation from an immature form to an adult form in two or more distinct stages. And I just thought that was so interesting that the shifting, moving from an immature form to an adult form, that that was part of metamorphosis. And that's that just seems to fit really well with the, um, the evolution of the soul. And stages, yes. It, it's always good to break things down into these incremental moments, which really brings forth this entire idea that looking at astrology is so marvelous, especially as you know, tracking it, because this year, and especially, we've had pivotal changes that are moving us, whether it's like on an iceberg or a roller coaster, it's like, oh my gosh, many forms, towards uh, this trans, trans, transformative uh, shifts. So two stages and in two, the or two or more, two or more. Okay. So it's, yes. Yeah. Cause with, with us humans, you know, there's more than two. <laughs> I know. And you know, I had a dear friend, much, much, much older. She's deceased. Um, I don't know when she would have been born, but probably in the early 1900s. And she became a Baha'i and she would uh, often say that as a school of thought that when we go through school and when we become in fourth grade, we don't throw out what we knew in kindergarten, we just build on it. And when we go into eighth grade, the same, we don't throw out what we knew in sixth grade and it progresses. So really this idea that I am really enthused to realize that, to look at both rulers, that Mars through his action, the seed idea, that's how we get back to what was that seed. Because just like any plant, if it, if it wasn't potted well, or if it wasn't in the right amount of sunshine or too much water, who knows, you know, it's not going to function. And you have a choice, either ditch it and do compost or give it what it needs but yeah you... i love i love the um i love the idea of of scorpio having two rulers it's a um it's a big energy you know scorpio so it really it really can handle that complexity of two rulers and having two rulers allows you to look at the energy in in different ways so with mars you're looking at it on a more conscious level, like it can um, penetrate deeply and be very driven to understanding things that way. But with Pluto, it's really there's more there's more of an uh, that unconscious drive that you're just that there's just more to everything. Um, yeah, I'll have to think about how. How better to phrase that? Well, Maurice Fernandez, who I do refer to, make reference to, he was is a, a, a primary teacher of mine, having gone through his course, which I'm still studying, and I listen to. But he brings up the word hunger, that 
Scorpio is hungry and more is a huge word for Scorpio because it wants life. Even though it works on that basis of life and death, it's really trying to avoid death. It wants life. Right. And so it is never satisfied. It's really has that idea of lack because it wants power. And so it's amazing because we can look at these in their pure forms. And then again, it's like to what, you know, we look at the opposite of, of Taurus that we brought up values. It's like, what value system do we have? Because if it's wealth, well, there may be just unbelievable wealth, but yet again, on what basis is wealth, you know, what basis of abundance, you know, it could be wealth of heart, you know, the wholeness of a person you know, it's, but yes, hunger and more. It's very essential. Yeah. It's, um, that's interesting because it does relate to, um, Aries in a way. Aries is, is hungry, but it's hungry on a different level. It's hungry more for like basic sustenance, um, uh, Anne Orderly likes to say that that Aries is about um, meat, malt, and mattress. So it's about food, alcohol, and sex. Oh. <laughs> like that's what it wants. Fuel. fuel. It's because it's energy. It wants fuel. I know that the fire signs love fire. And uh, as many friends that I care for are, are fire-oriented I realize when I see two, even though all my air gives that fire, when I see two fire together, it's like, wow, there's just like, we're burning. <laughs> and so it wants fuel. I think that's where it is. It's that energy, that, that sense of um, energetic thrust, you know, it's assertion. It takes a lot of energy to go forward. It takes power and, and bravery and a lot of things, which actually gets back into like, what are these two? Because Mars is that forward push, that action motivation. And, you know, which isn't afraid. In fact, it relishes separation. It, and, you know, it's not necessarily a leader per se, except people follow because they're a pioneer. They're going forward somewhere. And other people who have maybe been fearful are like, oh, there's the way has been cut, like the path in the grass. You know, let's follow. And and whereas yeah, there's an interesting dynamic with um, between Mars and Pluto, where there's kind of a, a push pull uh, dynamic where Mars wants to separate and and Pluto wants to kind of merge together with that Scorpio energy. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, so and we're all doing that all the time. Uh, maybe not all the time, but you know, it come it's it's something that's going to come up for everybody where we want to separate out and be our own, and then there are periods where we want to kind of merge back in with the other. And with this retrograde, I think that's a real cue and clue to it and because by just becoming aware of that dynamic which i think actually is very intri intricate it it helps alleviate some of the frustration when actions because they do involve so many other people are 
complex and need to be adjusted, which we've been experiencing with this retrograde. We will be right back. This is Talk Cosmos with Amanda Pierce at Cosmic Collaboration, talking about Scorpio guides, the rulers, the guides, Mars and Pluto. Thank you. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Scorpio, traditionally ruled by Mars, now ruled by Pluto. By departing a cycle based on comparison between extreme energies finding balance, Scorpio commits a relationship to exchange resources, experiencing power and powerlessness for the purpose of soul growth transformation. As a fixed water sign that is extreme, intense, and secretively deep, Scorpio's passionate nature questions the psychology and mystery concerning life and death. This is Susie Kerr-Wright, astrologer and psychic medium, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaning of our roots in the stars. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Hi again. Yeah, Sue Rose Minahan, November 7th. And we're continuing this really vital conversation about Mars and Pluto. And, you know, Scorpio energy, it empowers us. And what must be totally purged for a, re, a new regeneration of life. And in fact, right now, I'm hearing firecrackers. It has been quite a day. Now, we realize that there's a lot of polarity. Not everybody feels the same way with this presidential election. But we will go into not the politics of it, but something about the backbone of it, right? I mean, in other words, that's what we're talking about. Scorpio is the, I say backbone, it's the hidden part actually here. Backbone may not be quite so different because Pluto happens to be right now in the sign of transiting the sign of Capricorn. However, what we're going to, Amanda Pierce and I are going to talk about is the USA natal chart and a few measurement systems that astrologers apply, the progressive and the solar arc. The progressive measures one day at a time. So it's system of of measure of of changing that's from the natal chart goes at a much more rapid pace and what's important is looking at the inner planets mercury mars venus i'm not saying i'm in order here and the moon particularly the outer planets from jupiter on really because they have a much longer orbit they don't move as quickly and so it is more on a personal basis of this change, progressive. And the moon, as we're talking about, is our emotional context. The moon relates the reflected process of light. Now, the solar arc is another system. And one becomes evident how this applies as you study astrology. But just to give a brief analysis or description of it, it's one degree a year. So... Every 30 years, it's going to move 30 degrees from wherever it started. And it takes a long time. And the entire chart moves from the sun. 
So it's called solar, the sun, right? Solar arc. And in both of them, the, the sun moves at the same direction. But again, the progressive is one day at a time. So the point being... Well, one day for a year. That's the progressed chart. Oh, thank yeah, you, yeah. Amanda. Okay. And that's, and that's why you really only look at the, uh, the inner planets because for each, uh, each year of your life, it just moves, moves that much forward. Um, or I'm sorry, I'm going to say it again for, <laughs> I always get this mixed up in, in when I try to explain it. So when you're born, the, um, the moon is in a certain placement and the moon changes signs about every two and a half days. So the progressed moon is an evolution of your emotional journey because the moon is, is emotional, but it's going to move, um, each year it moves forward about a day's journey. So whereas a trans, the transiting moon at the time of your birth is going to move forward in like, or change signs in about two and a half days, depending on where your, what degree your moon is at, your progressed moon will take two and a half years to move through that sign. So this is, so the outer planets, the, the farther out, the longer the, the planet takes to transit through a sign, the longer it's going to take to um, progress forward in your progressed chart. And so the, the outer planets really barely even move. They might move a couple degrees because they're just... Right. Yeah, it just isn't something we look at. It just so, isn't something yeah. we look at. Yeah. So, so, so the solar arc chart is really helpful when you want to get an idea of your evolutionary journey with the um, the outer planets. Well, what's amazing about solar arc is its timing. It is incredible. It only happens once in a lifetime. I mean, for people. Now we're talking about a a, a country. So, but even then, it's once in. It's it's it, it's very very um, irregular. But in a person's life, when that planet connects. Let's just go on with what we were talking about because we can't teach everybody all night long. But because the point is, is that October 29th, just a couple weeks ago, the progressed moon, and we're talking only about the moon in this case, changed signs, which is a big deal. It's always a new lens that's been looking and it was at on the 29th. And we're basing it from Philadelphia. That's where the... Yeah. This the, is for the, the United States, though. Right. So the progressed moon and, of the United States. Yeah. And that was at 1154, 11 in the morning, 11 o'clock, 54 minutes and 37 seconds. 11 o'clock, 54 minutes, 37 minutes. So in other words, the moon, after two and a half years, because this is progressed, went to zero degrees Aquarius. Now you can put that on a bywheel and, it, and I am right now. It's most amazing because also at that point, Amanda, we hadn't talked about that, but um, because we were going to bring up about the solar arc. So I will do that. The solar arc on December 9th will go, it will move one degree a year 
at zero degrees Scorpio. And that will be at four o'clock in the morning, 35 minutes, 37. So the point is, is that, I mean, there's many relationships to see here, but we were talking about transition and we we're talking about metamorphosis and this long process of transformation. And just those two are exactly square. They're fixed signs. And it represents, we were realizing how demonstrative it is of the experience the United States is feeling and not just feeling, but expressing through their senses of merged relationships of deep intensity of Scorpio with this, the higher elevation of, of improvement through the brotherhood of, well, brotherhood in a sense of Aquarius. And and the when you're looking at a chart like a United States chart, a, a chart for a country, it's um, it's considered a mundane chart, and the moon represents the public. So this is kind of the where the public is uh, stands emotionally. And so with a progressed moon moving right into Aquarius and a solar arc moon moving into Scorpio. Um, both of them represent the public, but you can see how that with them squaring each other, that square energy, how there's like a divided public and both, both Scorpio and Aquarius are fixed signs. And so they're really just like set in their, in their standing. Um, and it's, it's just very, uh, telling about where we are at the moment. And, it goes and not back. only, mm -hmm. not only that, but uh, the United States Pluto, I believe, is at 27, 27 or twenty-eight. Yes, no, twenty-seven uh, degrees and 10, 10 minutes. I'm looking so at the chart right now. The progressed Pluto is uh, is at twenty-nine degrees twenty-eight minutes in uh, Capricorn. So. It's right there in the mix as well. Even though the moon has, the progressed moon has moved into Scorpio, it's still conjunct that Pluto. And the solar arc moon is then squaring that Pluto as well. So, I, and I don't know how many times I've heard um, people saying like, this is a fight for the soul of the nation. Yes, Pluto represents the soul. We and are talking. Mm -hmm. And you can also see like how little Pluto has actually moved since 1776 it's been it's moved like two degrees exactly. so it's like you yeah. don't really look at it all that much but with a a country chart it's um but but the fact is is that right it's now a little easier the, to see well really looking at this chart as i am right now bringing those factors up is the fact that it doesn't matter pluto hasn't changed okay that's fine but the inner planets do so our emotional context of our uh, of the public which you brought up is now emotionally at a point where we need to we are pluto is relentless it's just like pluto took persephone we don't have any choice we are in this process of transformation so realizing the dynamics are is so vital and realizing too, 
Pluto wants our soul growth and it it is really going back because it is there's so many elements here but it's going back to the very beginning the seed point of the natal chart and right here the moon well no it wasn't that actually with that point that you brought up is perfect but the the uh the i'm looking here too amanda that the um south node in this progressed chart is conjunct the natal uh natal um pluto so we are really releasing a lot and deconditioning and defocusing focus for pluto conditioned for sat for capricorn we're in this process of really scrutinizing and it's not just Virgo analytical, it's deep psychology, getting down there and getting to the root of things. Okay. To find yeah. out. And so, and just to clarify, it's the progressed south node that you're seeing. Yes. It's conjunct the natal Pluto in the Correct. US chart, Yeah, right? I just pulled it up and yeah. did my will on it. So that is, and the other really significant thing here is that the progressed Jupiter is actually at six, 15 degrees of cancer. And our natal sun on the 4th of July is 13 degrees uh, cancer. So in progressed, they can have an orb. It's not like uh, um, solar arcs where that becomes a whole nother issue. But here it's, so we are looking at our expanded cancer our home our personal our family our tribe our belief systems it can be very righteous it can be very protective it can be um they're already they're not quite conjunct it's a what they're natally they're all in cancer but in this point so we have this is a very dynamic meant to be time where we can Look. Well, yeah, and it's it's bringing forward that that cancer energy for us, um, even if they're not exactly, um, if the the conjunction is exact, it's still really highlighting the the cancer energy, and we've got that yeah. the Capricorn energy highlighted as well with the Pluto there, and we just had the progressed Moon move through Capricorn. For the last two and a half years so it's um we're working through some family patterns as a country you could say <laughs> yes indeed we are yeah. and yes exactly and and on a you know on a large belief system basis and of course there's a lot of opinions jupiter does express itself uh, and right now the nodes just adding that factor that we're at this natural time where the nodes the path of the moon and the sun intersect have uh as of may went from north node cancer to north node gemini meaning that south node is sagittarius so we are releasing trying to get more information to find out how to re reframe a broader more truthful belief system and it is painful 
I will identify with that because, you know, cancer doesn't, is very attached cancer, um, for a good purpose holds on. And so it's, it's, we have many family stories and it's our story, but gee whiz, what a great time to reframe that story because with new information. Um, yeah. Well, and so we had the progressed moon just moving through Capricorn, right? For the last two and a half years. And that's very tradition based as well. Um, it's right in the, that continuum with cancer. Uh, and with the, with the moon moving into Aquarius, that all of the the signs in the zodiac they kind of progress forward like you learn something from one of them and then when you move into the next sign you're in a bit of a reaction state to the last sign you're like oh I'm done with that oh, I yes, want right. I want to shift and change and Aquarius is all about shifting and changing and breaking it, it, the routine yes breaking the routine breaking traditions you know, moving forward, forward progress. So it's interesting that the progressed moon moved into Aquarius a couple days before the presidential election. Yeah, and, and we want to be authentic. Everybody wants authenticity, which means I think really it is, there is this huge other aspect of inclusiveness, which we could pull into the chart in different places, but that's a real big theme. Yeah, I wonder if the if that the progressed moon moving into Aquarius a couple of days before the election had an impact at all on the mood of the people and how they voted. Don't know. Well, it's subtle. It's subtle. And well, let's look at we have another one that we're going to talk about today, and that's the solar arc. Now, this is like a 30 year uh, cycle. Of, of measurement. I mean, this is a measurement process. Whereas just to reiterate, we were talking about s- progressive, so that the moon and the progressive moon had for two and a half years been in, in Capricorn. Interestingly, the same time as perhaps you were just saying that Saturn was also in its own sign. So we were very conditioned and, and looking at family values of tradition. But now, it is getting, it's breaking. And this square, this, uh, by degree, it's a square, but it will be exact come December 9th, which is so interesting because it's just before uh, Saturn enters Aquarius. And then uh, I think it enters it on the 12th. And then on the 21st, the, 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 the cycle of Jupiter conjunct Saturn, which happens every 20 years, is going to be very momentous because it'll be an Aquarius, which is heralding a 200-year element cycle in air. So we're leaving another death, you could say, leaving the material where what you see is what you get and expecting this form of permanence to the impermanence and the fluidity of air that is of the uh, more intangible ideas and other. Yeah. And so we've been going through this big Capricorn period. We've had Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, all in Capricorn. And we've been working through this. 
And now with um, Jupiter moving along to Aquarius and then Saturn quickly following behind, this is shifting everything out of, of Capricorn except for Pluto. And so with that, that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction on the 21st, that really is, it's ushering in the, the new air era, like you said, Sue, but also just we're going to feel it, I think, a lot more um, because of all the planets moving out of Capricorn. Yes, that's well. it. Now, with this, just to throw in some extra info, because I'm staring now at the uh, the Bywill, the USA Sibley chart, July 4th, 1776 at 510 p.m. Philadelphia with the other outer wheel now that we've imposed on December 9th of this year, that's the solar arc direction, which happens to be at 4 o'clock in the morning, and that's 35 minutes and 37 seconds, to be exact, in Philadelphia. And so it doesn't have any direct aspects. However, our conversation earlier this summer, or I think just last month, in was Pluto solar arc Pluto had just entered Libra. So yes, we have all that Capricorn still with the actual transiting at this moment as, as real time transiting, you know, Pluto is in measuring from Earth in Capricorn, but the solar arc is in Pluto, meaning as an overlay, it's really looking at uh, relationships. So we're now looking at relationships also interestingly from two angles because the moon, if and these are going to be in there for 30 years. So this is a huge emphasis of our whole orientation, which is brand fresh. I mean, zero degrees is like the baby beginning. And it can be very beautifully inspiring at that point because what do we know? We have a lot of dreams and hopes and I mean, as, as any seed beginning has of intention. But with that moon in Scorpio, it is intense. We, you know, we want to change according to the other person. We're realizing we need to adjust to the other person, compliment, you know. But yet, emotionally, we want that fusion. We want it, that growth. We see that lack. We want that life. We it's it's serious. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because the moon in Scorpio is um you can look to Pluto as its ruler. And so not only is the moon itself shifting into Scorpio, but Pluto is shifting into a new sign. So this is this is a whole new um there's going to be a whole new flavor to how we as the public in the United States are feeling and um, operating and seeing our world. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at it a little further because when you mentioned Pluto, I thought, okay, well, tonight's conversation is about Mars also. In that solar arc, that's 30-year process, Mars is at 24 degrees Aquarius. So that, in a sense, on some layer, and it'll remain there for six years in Aquarius until it goes into the next sign, uh, you know, following sign, but in a sense that will bring in that attention that our progressed moon that's also in, I mean, they're both going to be looking at Uranus and Saturn. If we continue on this theme of 
two rulers. So it's going to be what, how can we improve? How can we break away from tradition? And what are we looking at traditions? Yeah, it would, the other thing that's interesting about that is when looking at that, um, the solar arc progressed chart with moon in Scorpio, the ruler Pluto is in an air sign Libra, and the ruler Mars is in an air sign Ooh. Aquarius. So it's then, it's again, reinforcing that shift into more, um, more of an air-based and so is so, so is Saturn. Saturn's in Gemini. Solar arc Saturn is 17 degrees Gemini. Let me think about this because I was thinking right now with all that Capricorn, you know, Capricorn looks to Saturn. It's, you know, Capricorn only has one ruler. It's Saturn. Unlike, because as we were saying earlier, it was the limit of the universe, the known universe that we could see until the outer planets were discovered. 1771, I think, for Uranus, 1846 for Neptune, and then 1930 for Pluto. So it's so fascinating. Good point. So we have the three that we're talking about, Pluto, Mars, and Saturn are all in air signs boy i can hear people honking out there the city must be there there's a lot of uh commotion yeah yeah a lot of a lot of celebration in this area of the country right well now. i just noticing the time and i do need to say that tonight i'm talking with amanda pierce of cosmic collaborations and it's a scorpio theme we're been into interviewing you might say the traditional ruler of mars and the modern ruler of scorpio and realizing that the two are really in a kinship of assisting us to understand these transformative times that scorpio so intensely desires for its growth process and next week is going to be the 14th, and I have a brand new guest, Susanna Lobier. And we will be talking about Gilgamesh. Now, Gilgamesh was the first novel, you could the first story. And it is about our fear of death. You know, he's a great hero, but he finally got to that point to die or not to die. So it'll be quite fascinating. And this is November 7th. Oh, Amanda, we still have a few minutes, about a half a minute here. We don't have to hang up. <laughs> what okay. A, yeah, so if we can pull together some thoughts, my goodness, what a great introspective time about transformation going to new realms. Yeah, I mean, transformation can be uncomfortable, but it's always for our best. It is. It, it is. You know, the Plutoids that now Pluto is the gateway to are what they were saying, uh, lenses, and this is also from Bill Herbst, of focus and defocusing energies that actually reach beyond the galaxy. So consciously, we're moving along, and I think we're uniting. And it's a birth process, right? Mars. Well, yes, it is. 
next we'll, we'll talk again next month i think that'll be oh it's in december it'd be great fun it's been lovely sue <laughs> okay and thanks to all of our fabulous well our beautiful loving audience blessings talk to you next month Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.